You're listening to One Sun, Three Flowers podcast, where we believe in connecting, unifying, and uplifting women. Self-published author, business owner, educator, mother, and poet, Courtney Brookins will help you bloom into your best self and encourage you to make self-care part of your daily practice. She will help you learn and connect with other women. Listen to honest conversations to help further your story. If you're ready to reach the next level of self, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, mother, and avocado enthusiast, Courtney Brookins. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast, Stories of Our Mothers. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, Georgette Lewis. Georgette, say hello. Hi, Sunflowers. I am here and really happy to join. Yay. Yes, I am so happy that you are here. We're going to talk a little bit about public health and healing. And I couldn't think of a better person to have on the podcast to talk about these subjects. Well, I am happy to be here. And I think that the more that uh, these conversations are started, we create, we change the narrative. And I think that that's what this conversation is about is changing the narrative as it pertains to, you know, public policy and uh, health and also as it pertains to mental health. So I'm excited to, you know, be a part of this. Yes. Awesome. Well, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background so they know exactly who we have here on the line? Absolutely. So I think I'll start from what my job is now because in my I, my 35 years, I feel like I've it's it's longer than that because I've had you know so many different jobs. But um, right now, my title is senior advisor for public policy and for uh, strategy for health for the University of California in the office of the president. So that title sounds really long, and <laughs> I'm constantly having <laughs> to explain what it actually really means. Um, you know, the University of California has uh, 18, health pub, uh, 18 public health schools. They also have five medical centers. And what I do is that I am actually the person that is responsible for a lot of the um, public policies as it pertains to the state issues as well as the federal issues, you know, um, in terms of health care. And for strategy, uh, I actually, you know, do a lot of convenings with our cancer centers. We have, you know, a lot of, you know, um, tier one cancer centers at UC. So UCLA, UC San Francisco and Davis. And um, what we have now is a cancer consortium. So what I do a lot of is, you know, help create a lot of the policy with, within the cancer consortium. And I would say that who I was before, well, I still am because I feel that, a lot of who you are in your new job is because your old job has taken you there. Like all the steps mm. of where I am now is because of those old jobs. Even if I thought those were small jobs, it is the reason why I'm here. So um, my very first out of college job was, you know, working for then Senator Obama at, in healthcare, And then I worked in the White House in healthcare, more specifically on the Affordable Care Act. Um, which was, you know, as everyone knows, you know, uh, millions of people were insured because of that, and especially millions of people that have never, you know, been insured as well as that have pre-existing conditions. 
Um, from there, I actually went to grad school and then I worked in uh, Ghana for three months where I helped bridge the intersection between, you know, what business looks like as well as, you know, the government and figure out ways that we can bridge the gaps and figure out ways where we can, you know, help, you know, people that actually don't have access to healthcare receive access because, you know, healthcare is one of those things, whereas there should never be a choice where you have to, you know, should have to say to yourself, do I need to eat or do I need health care? So it was amazing being mm. able to, you know, work in Ghana and understand the fundamental differences in, in health care should be a right. So that is who I am. But I think that more personally who I am is um, I am a sister. I am an aunt. Uh, I am a person that use it looks at self-care as being a priority and I think self-care looks different to everyone so uh for me um self-care kind of looks like journaling and moments of silence with God which is a big part of who I am and you know working out and therapy shout out to therapy and I'm happy that we're going to discuss it in this <laughs> chat <laughs> absolutely uh, <laughs> I also think that, you know, self-care is doing whatever makes your heart happy. So a lot of who I am is, you know, professional. I have one title, but who I am personally is just, you know, I, I take it day by day and, and be kind to myself and not be too hard on myself. I love that. I love how you have intertwined who you are personally and professionally, because I think that we can't forget the personal aspect of who we are, because that part of us being full is what gives us the opportunity for us to walk strongly in who we are professionally and in our other roles in life. Right. I agree with you 100 percent. I can't show up at work if I'm not, you know, fully full in my personal life. And sometimes you you probably can't be full, but if I'm not somewhat there where mentally I'm stable, it's hard for me to show up because, you know, uh, being um, mentally there, it, it, it's, it's draining if you don't, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself. So my thing for myself, I always ask myself the question every morning of what do I need? Like, what is my mm. need? And, ensuring that whatever the need may be I'm doing that the need may be that I just need to journal the need might be that I just want to have moments where I'm quiet and I'm listening to God's voice the need might be that I might want to call a friend and rant that you know I'm having a bad day so it just depends on that but I think that people you know have to make sure that they're listening to themselves I think that that's mm. you know the power in it Yes, I love that. What do I need in doing that internal check? That's super important and super necessary. So you. I, you're, you're welcome. I think it's very important that we know that you have this type of background. And I thank you for sharing that. And I know that it's essential because, as you said, you have this very big, large title, which encompasses a lot. And at the foundation of what you're currently working on, because there's been so much that's already been a part of your career in the time you've been on Earth. But you mentioned public health. And I think that that's a conversation also that has kind of this elusive, big, like, not fully understood yeah. branch of life. And so I was wondering if you could break it down for our listeners. What is public health? Thank you for asking that, because I, I think that 
the definition of um, public health has so many different interpretations. And um, I, when I look at what public health is, you know, it's really the science of protecting the safety and improving the health of communities through education, through policymaking, research for disease prevention. It is really like promoting, you know, healthy lifestyles and researching disease preventions and detecting and preventing and responding to infectious diseases. You know, and a large part of public health is promoting healthcare quality and access. And, you know, the definition again for every person may be different because you can still be considered in public health if you conduct laboratory or field research or formulate policy, which is what I do, or work directly with people to help improve their health. You know, being a public health professional enables you to work around the world, which took me to Ghana. And it also, you know, gives you the opportunity to address health problems of communities as a whole and influence policies that affect, you know, the health of societies. For me, I, cho I chose public policy because it was just not about helping influence policy, but it was something that was personal to me because I knew people in my family as well as my friends that did not have access to affordable health care. And for me, I wanted to no longer let that be a stigma, but actually do something about it. And uh, that's what actually took me to Ghana as well, because that's what public health is. Public health is reaching out your arm and helping someone else because you realize that their environment and their situation is different than yours. It's education, it's research, and it's also really putting your money where your mouth is and really, you know, helping with real change. And that's to me what the definition really is. Wow. Thank you for that. That was a very full and clear definition of public health. And I was able, as you were describing it, to see it through multiple dimensions and also recognize that it's not just this grand title, but it's actually serving the community and creating change, which were the words that I heard you say. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. So I noticed that you said that your friends and family were part of what made you want to be a part of become a change agent. So as a public health servant, what are some primary focuses that you are noticing affecting people of color? Let's even centralize it a little more, women of color. Yes, I think that's a great question, um, Courtney. Um, when I look at uh, public health and the impact specifically on the African-American community and women, I think there are a few things that's definitely impacting it. I, I, I think that when you look at uh, cancer, so like let's just look at diseases as a whole, but more specifically breast and cervical cancer. You know, um, black women, you know, they have a one in nine chances of developing breast cancer, which is high compared to white women. So um, for me, you know, that is a public health risk when you know that, you know, the, the probability of, you know, someone that you know getting breast cancer is very high. And what I always say, you know, to my friends constantly, and even to myself, is do all, always do a self-check when it comes to that. Because, you know, um, there is, is power in going to the doctor. There is power also in just checking yourself. So when I am literally in the shower, I am constantly, always constantly feeling for, you know, lumps. And they always say, you know, raise one, you know, arm and 
behind your head to spread out the breast tissue to to see if you know if there are any lumps either under your arm or around your breast and I can't say that enough that you know as a public health professional that breast cancer is one of the the things that I think is you know huge for you know African American women and is you know sort of you know a, a huge thing as it as it pertains to public health I also think that mental health I I, I think it's almost you can't talk about things is diseases diet you know and as it pertains to cancers and diabetes and so forth without talking about mental health and I think that a big part of you know public health is mental health I think mental health has taken the forefront of the conversation and uh, I constantly say to everyone that I know if you have not gone to Therapy for Black Girls, please go to that because it is an amazing website that has a podcast and, you know, and everyone's talking about it. So make sure that, you know, you are addressing, you know, what's important to you or generational trauma that you've endured. So um, I think, you know, mental health is a, a huge one. And I say diabetes is a huge one just because I, and even for myself, I come from, a Jamaican background where we highly season everything that we eat. And, you know, a, a big part of, and everything too is, is very sweet, all the foods and everything. It's, it's always very full food. And um, the reality of it is that, you know, diabetes in the African-American, you know, um, community is huge, but also, you know, for women. And I think it's also because, we, we do not have, you know, the opportunities to see, you know, now it's different, whereas we get to actually see from like the Michelle Obamas and everyone making, you know, working out and everything look cool, making eating healthy looks cool. Before that, I don't think we had that and our parents didn't have that. So, you know, when you talk about the, you know, women of color and public health, the top three things that I would say that, you know, are things that you know constantly come up is mental health you know it's it's cancer and it's specifically ovarian and breast cancer and it's diabetes and diabetes is more so you know uh it, it more so attributes to a lot of what people were raised with and I'm also you know a person that would say sometimes I eat unhealthy and it's because of what I'm used to and I also think another thing you know as it pertains to African-American woman and in, in, in for public health that's been, you know, really tough is hypertension, blood pressure. African-American women have the world on their back. <laughs> so blood pressure is, is a big thing, you know, and, and for us, a lot of times what happens is that, you know, we have all these internal stress, we have all these external stresses and we're not taking care of ourselves because African-American women are always trying to take care of the household. So take care of the kids and cook and so forth. But uh, if I were to say anything, it would be, you know, take care of yourself first so you can take care of others because there are a lot of, you know, risk factors in the African-American community and specifically as it pertains to the, as, as it pertains to women. Hey Tribe, let's take a moment for an ad. (music) 
One Sun, Three Flowers is a one-stop shop for the entire family. Our mother-daughter clothing brand promotes self-care, unity, and wellness for the entire tribe through tees and sweatshirts. We created the One Sun, Three Flowers shop a year ago when we challenged ourselves to create clothing that promoted self-care, self-love, and helped you connect with your highest self and your families. Head to the One Sun, Three Flowers dot myshopify.com and save yourself 10% when you use the code podcast2019. That's One Sun, the number three, flowers.myshopify.com Enjoy Flower Tribe! So before the break, Georgette was sharing with us several things that are impacting the black community, particularly women of color. And I want us to go back into that space. She listed diabetes, cancer, high blood pressure, all of those things. So let's bring our minds back there and continue the conversation. My health chart, right? Because a lot of the things that you list were, are, are things that have plagued my family as well and so it's ironic that those are the things that you pulled because I directly have been impacted as a woman of color my grandfather died of diabetes and there have been a tension all the things that you listed are really you know serious risk factors that are a part of my DNA so I like to bring in a witness because I think that it's important for us to be like you said screen having conversations with our family about these things so that we're not blindsided. And then I have to also say, yeah, I have to also say that I liked it, the mentioning of the checking of the breast, right? Because I'm like, oh, I'm in my thirties. And so in my mind, sometimes I I feel like I'm a younger woman so that those things don't necessarily need to happen. But I have an app and I have to admit, it's been only like the last year or so, Georgette, where I was taught from my app, um, Oh, after your cycle, check your breast and make sure that there's no lumps. I mean, it wasn't even on the forefront of my brain. So I thank you for bringing that to our conversation because I'm sure that there are other younger women or women who say, oh, I don't have a genetic history of this and don't really make that like a point of wanting to make that examination a consistent part of their practice. Absolutely. And it's crazy because the one thing that you always hear and in, in, in CDC constantly says it, which is, uh, the, you know, the cancer center, one thing that they, the center for disease and cancer, like one thing that they constantly say, well, the center for chronic disease and cancer, one thing that they constantly say is that, uh, yeah, woman, you know, between the age who are 50 to 74 years old should get tested every two years. And I think actually like that claim and and someone that worked at the Department of Health and Human Services, I don't think that that is, you know, that's a fact. But I think that if there is a genetic history of cancer, you know, I think the best thing that you can do is is check it out for yourself. And one of the things too, in in my new role that I've been working on for the Cancer Consortium is genetic testing um, and counseling. And what we're trying to do is do... um, figure out how to fund that 
and more specifically in California, what we really want to do is, you know, bring that awareness, bring the education, but also help those underserved populations and help, you know, insurance have the ability to reimburse for that. Because if you find out that, you know, uh, this is hereditary, what you really want to do is catch it early on. And a lot of underserved communities do not have the ability to catch it, you know, right away just because they can't afford it. So that's one of the things, even within my current role that, you know, I'm, I'm constantly pressing for and, you know, looking at policy and saying, you know, like we should do more about this because especially as it pertains to cancer, which I mentioned, African-American women are very high risk as it pertains to cancer. And when we're looking at, you know, this policy and, and thinking about the large impact it can do, it's the impact that it can make on those underserved populations that can afford it but also on African-American women. Like if you knew that you can detect if you had cancer and your insurance would pay for it, think about how many people would actually go and get that genetic testing. And then to know that you receive counseling as well after that. You know, so I think that the new era of, you know, of public health is precision medicine, which works hand in hand with genetic testing. So, you know, and, and for me, I know that, I have an aunt that has breast cancer, you know, I have, a, 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 you know, um, also, you know, in, in my life, I, my mom has diabetes. So this is for me, all of these, you know, real sensitive subjects impact me directly because of family members that have this or friends that have it. Wow. And that concludes part one. Thank you so much, Georgette, for joining us. And listeners should be coming back next week to continue the conversation on public health. And we're going to be intertwining conversations on mental health, how they correlate, the importance of getting up and moving, and continuing to understand how public health affects women and people of color. Stay tuned and we'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast. Check out show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.onesun3flowers.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We want to connect with your tribe. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And remember to bloom into your best self.